Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. Today we have our full complement of two Eds, a Gina, a Mike, and a Steve. Um, as always, we are recording this live and we'll have it up as a podcast within about an hour after we finish. Please send any feedback you may have on the show to our email address, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. This is show number 81 and our first show of the new year. So happy new year and welcome all. Happy new year, everyone. I feel like I happy, just saw y'all last year. Happy new year, everyone. This is Ed. Happy new year. Waiting for second Ed to say this. <laughs> oh, yes. Happy new year. This is Ed. I have COVID. Wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a little bit behind brain wise today. Sorry. They call that the, the COVID fog. COVID fog, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Does everybody want to identify by their particular variant or? Um... <laughs> oh, it's definitely Omicron. I have Omicron. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Delta. More than likely Delta is what I have. Okay. Delta and whatever the first one was, Alpha and Delta. Well, okay. you got to vote, the huh? W word, but we'll get kicked off. <laughs> we may have to move over with Joe Rogan. Anyway, I will open up by giving anybody a chance to tell me what they think the biggest stories are out there this week. Well, today's January 5th, so I think that the biggest story is January 6th, the anniversary, the, the fact that we've got political prisoners that have been held for a year without bail, without hearing, without trial, without charges being for, formally filed, and... Um, and we've got Democrats, you know, we've got uh, Mark Elias, who's the leading Democrat lawyer in the country uh, who ran the Hillary Clinton campaign, going running around saying that they're going to use insurrection uh, to try and disqualify Republicans running for con running for reelection based on uh, them having signed onto a brief. Uh, and they're going to they're going to try and base their argument on article on Section three of the 14th Amendment, which was written to prohibit people from becoming uh, from running for federal office if they had engaged in an insurrection during the Civil War. Uh, and in fact, the word insurrection is in Article three of, of the 14th Amendment. So that's another reason why I think they're using that word. Uh, I think that's the biggest story right now. Um, there are other stories as well, but that's that's the story to me for the, for today. So who gets to who gets to define insurrection? Just whoever feels like it. Webster. They change every definition they want <laughs> nonstop. So I'm going with Webster on this one. I define it as a vice president who bails out Black Lives Matters protesters from uh, jail. How about that? I mean, what's pretty sad is in this country, you can have a law that's passed by Congress, signed by the president, but then an agency or the head of an agency gets to change definitions and not that much difference than changing the definition of vaccinated to two plus one or changing the definition of different parts of weapons. Why didn't and I choose Fauci? That was the answer. Darn it. What's that? I didn't choose Fauci is who defines definitions and who makes definitions. I messed up. But it's very scary when, you know, if a constitution says the word insurrection and anybody who happens to head an agency or become close to heading an agency gets to say, well, this is called insurrection, we're done. And then what happens? I guess it goes to court and we argue what the word means. I think that each uh, portion of Congress gets to decide on their own membership, right? So I think it, it basically goes to 
the House and Senate to define what it means. Well, no, I think that they get to expel members, but they don't get to decide who gets on the ballot. I mean, maybe that's a semantic difference, but. I don't uh, think so. I agree with you, Ed. But so the, the 14th Amendment says that anybody involved in these things cannot run for office or cannot be put into office. Uh, well, why don't, let me call it up and let's find it. Give me a second. Because was, didn't Elias also want to have people that are in office removed? Yes. Under that as well? If yes. they are sitting? Okay. Yes. All right. I've just about got it. It is. All right. Let me read it to you. Section three. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as any executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress shall by a two-thirds of each house, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Yeah, I mean, this this is not uh, auto-enforcing, right? Uh, Section 5, the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. So presumably in 1866, there, uh, the Congress passed a law that defined what Section Three meant, um, because it's obvious. But I think that that kind of law, Ed, would be a violation of the prohibition on bills of attainder. I mean, you'd have to file. I think that you need a suit that that charges someone with sedition or treason or. No, like I, I mean the obvious. The, the obvious point about Section Three is that the Southern states were just gonna send their senators and representatives back again. You know, Jefferson Davis would come back as Senator from Mississippi and they absolutely did not want that. So um, they, they put this in there to prevent that from happening. And, uh, but the, I don't know how you enforce it unless, you know, remember, we think that the courts enforce the constitution, but that's not how they thought back then. So there must've been, there must be a law in the books about how to enforce section three. That's my naive perhaps. But, but the Democrats engage in lawfare. So they, they're gonna just file lawsuits. They don't care and they don't care whether they ultimately win or not. They figure they'll make us, they'll make the Republicans spend money, spend resources, spend time fighting a, a useless battle. And from the Democrats perspective, if they lose, well, we wasted the Republicans money and time. And if we win, that's a bonus. And we've got, you know, we've got them disqualified. Yeah, I mean, but given aid or comfort to enemies thereof, they could basically use that to disqualify the entire Republican Party, except for Liz Cheney. And I know that's what they would like to do. I'm not that stupid, but I, I can't imagine that. Passing the smell test with either the public or the um, courts. Well, What's I interesting mean, is it four only months ago, four months ago, a vaccine mandate from the federal government wouldn't have passed a smell test either, or maybe five months ago. But, you know, that changed on a dime. It's very interesting. It doesn't disqualify somebody um, who's never been in office. 
No, it's only people who've taken the oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature. Right, and it's interesting, it doesn't seem to involve anybody who took a military oath. Well, that would be an officer of the United States. Is a military person an officer of the United States? Yeah, an, an officer, but not an enlisted man. So, yeah. I don't know. Officer. I think that's a very interesting question. And I don't even want to go into what the heck it says. Regard is. Uh, Congress is an officer. Of course, we're all arguing about the, what the Constitution says when we all know that that doesn't matter anymore to the left. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're going to try and push it. I think they're not going to get anywhere on this one. Well, again, what are, what are they really up to here? I mean, their goal has been one party rule. And if they could get away with starting to, you know, totally um, undermine the real democratic process, which they always claim to be uh, the defenders of, they want to start undermining elections, the will of the people in various districts and, and tell them the person that they voted for is an insurrectionist. You know, well, as I've the, said many times, it's just outrageous. Well, as I've said many times on this show, every accusation the Democrats yeah. make is really a confession. Right. So every time they yeah. make the accusation insurrectionist, it's really a confession of their own soul. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And I That's think Eric Swalwell was a good example of that this week, too, when he tried to claim that the Republicans were the ones that wanted to undermine the election system going into next year. And uh, when I heard that on TV, Ed, uh, admittedly, I thought of you right away. <laughs> that, and what that, you, was, that was a, an admission. See, and I think that's a, a big story uh, this yeah. week is Schumer and wanting to drop the filibuster in order to have this national election integrity or however he's termed it 50 million different times. But I just I was watching Warnock uh, during one of the press conferences and I just wanted to vomit out of my mouth like this whole thing. That's just sickening to me. All of it. Have you seen the, the YouTube clips of him from 2005? Right. saying that uh, sure did. filibuster is an attack on democracy and it's yes because on... because the republicans wanted the banana republic yeah 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 but again i think you know the other side can count on the fact that the press won't shove that back into their faces and can count on the fact that the republicans are very unlikely to fight back now the only time i know yeah. the republicans fought back was a drop on the filibuster with judges but you can have crews out there all day saying we're going to impeach biden but i somehow don't believe that well no wait 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 wait. They, they, it was the democrats who dropped the filibuster on the judges no but in other but, words we're going to give it back to them that's the only time i've ever seen where we actually did react in some fashion generally speaking we say steve, oh come on we don't want to do what they do steve i don't i, I it's I think that the, the hypocrisy is part of their game plan. I'm not talking about they, the hypocrisy. I'm saying they're not worried about well, say, part of the reason they're not worried is because they don't care about the hypocrisy. They don't care if they get called on it because their whole goal is to make us feel impotent for not being able to do anything about their hypocrisy. Okay, but they're not worried that if the Republicans win again, that they're, we're going to disqualify all of them for being insurrectionists because they know we don't have the guts to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've learned how this goes. They, they'll push and they'll push and they'll push and they'll move that Overton window as much as they can every time that they're in office, knowing that they, they might, might end up getting completely defeated in a big way at the polls. The Republicans may take over for, for a while, but they'll just bide their time. The next time they're in power, they'll they'll push again. 
I mean, did the Trump people take all the bees out of the keyboards in the White House? And had they done had they done that, do you think that would have just been laughed off and let's move on? No, they would have been charged as insurrectionists, et cetera, et cetera. So I think part of it is they know that we won't turn this back onto them. And what can the American people do? So what we're basically saying is the Americans vote in somebody who had been in state office, who participated in January 6th, and now they show up in Washington and the House or Senate can just refuse to seat them. Well, no, they're not. As you correctly identified earlier, it doesn't apply to private persons. No, somebody I said specifically somebody who had been in public office before January 6th at any level. He may have been a city clerk and then he participated in January 6th, runs for Congress, wins the seat and they'll refuse to seat that person based on that amendment. And then I what? think that's basically the idea, but I don't think they're going to keep Congress. So I don't understand exactly what they're doing. I mean. I don't 100% understand. Well, they're going to keep Congress if they get mail-in voting everywhere. I think New York is trying to pull off universal mail-in voting. They're going to keep Congress if they pass this Nationalized Election Fraud Act. And I think that's what they're right. They don't have a There's prayer. a whole bunch of things that they're doing that don't make sense if you think we're going to have a free election that's going to let, let the American people sweep the Democrats out of office. The yeah. Democrats are doing things that make it clear to me that they have a they have in mind a, a coup of their own and that they don't intend to allow us to, to vote them out of office. Now, do you remember that it came out? It was it was after the election or before the election. They published literally the game plan of how they were going to steal the election. I yes. can't remember who published yes. that. Was that before yep. the election? No, it was after. It was after. I think it was a Newsweek article, actually. It was something yeah. like that. Yes. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. They they published their plan to steal the election beforehand when they said oh, you know, what's going to happen is it's going to look like Trump's winning, but then all of the mail-in ballots will come in over the next few days and Biden will win. The whole press went with that for the whole month before the election. And of course, that's ended up what, uh, you know, what carried out. Then Time Magazine published the article, um, which is called, I have it right here, The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved the 2020 Election where they basically explained how various billionaires and uh, special interest groups got together to save the democracy from the evil Republicans by making it impossible to elect Republicans. Again, they also use government money to fund a lot of left-wing groups yeah. to do the dirty work. So. And again, yeah, they, they also use private money to, to buy, they use private money to buy off government agencies and government off the boards of elections to, you know, seat leftist uh, activists in, in the counting rooms. Well, did you guys see Georgia is going to be doing uh, a little bit of digging into their poll numbers last year for last yeah, year? I'm surprised at that, given the uh, Raffenberger's pussification mm -hmm. uh, on the issue last year. But I guess I know there was nothing to see. There was nothing wrong. What are they investigating? Yeah. The best election ever. Right. Well, as always, I believe it when I see it because we saw what happened in Arizona where they, they really didn't do a proper audit. So, <laughs> I think they did a proper audit in Arizona, but what they didn't do is try to disentangle the mail-in ballots that were actually mailed from the mail-in ballots that weren't. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's hard. Listen, it's been said on this program way, way back 
that nobody has an interest in clean elections. And no one has an interest in dirty elections being exposed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. So, but what I was saying before is the Democrats can literally go on television and publish exactly how they're going to steal an election, go ahead and exactly steal it that way, and still nobody cares. So why yeah, would it's almost Marjorie Taylor Greene cares? She's probably the only voice that's speaking up against it. Yeah. It's almost like writing a book saying you're going to kill all the Jews, and then people, ah, it doesn't mean that. You know? Right. Uh, well, it's, it's actually kind of like that. What do you say? You know, believe what your enemies say they're going to do. You know, I put up a story in the show notes that McConnell was responsible for an aid, I think it was to Bob Dole, um, not getting a certain position or a certain contract or whatever. And it just solidified what I said last week. It's the Republicans that will destroy the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Laura Boberts. We don't need the Democrats. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, they're very comfortable being the Washington generals to the Democrats, Harlem Globetrotters. And it's a, it's a nice position. There's not a whole lot of work. You get a lot of money. You get a lot of opportunities for graft. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a great, more than it's a great job for those with no soul. And they do the dirty work for the Democrats. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I saw her this week on Tucker, you know, pleading with her Republican caucus, caucus to stand with her after getting banned from Twitter. They're not going to not only not stand with her, they're probably rooting for her to get thrown out of Congress. I mean, you know. I do think Green has a very good chance of being reelected, though, because she has an independent base of support outside of her district. So she'll collect money from lots of people around the country rather than having to rely on the Republican campaign, you know, congressional campaign committee and a few a few donors in her own district. So I think she'll stay with her seat. Um, I wonder, though, um, you know, whether they'll they'll continue to persecute her, the Republicans. And she, as far as I know, she's done nothing wrong. I, I don't I don't even remember what she was, uh, you know, kicked off her committees for, but I'm sure it wasn't anything. Nothing. Um, she was know. a crazy QAnon, remember? That was why. Oh, great. She's a conspiracy yeah. theorist, and she said lots of bad things. Well, if you're a conspiracy theorist, then that's bad. Why is uh, Adam Schiff still on the, in Congress? Jesus. <laughs> Or Eric Swalwell wants to nuke his own constituents. I think he nuked some other constituents, didn't he? Bang, bang, yeah. Yeah, fang, fang, uh, bang, bang. You know, again, we talk about double standards and no standards and how it's all slanted. So the stories up here are right now, Cuomo is definitely not going to get prosecuted for the nursing home scandal. He's not going to get prosecuted for any of the uh, sexual harassment problems, which Mm -hmm. I could live with. However, the difference between how he's being treated and the Trumps who not a day goes by where they're not subpoenaing somebody else who once played a Trump card in a bridge game, um, they're just, they do not stop going after the person. So the contrast with Cuomo is just, it's just absolutely embarrassing. I I just want to know who he paid off or what he has hanging over somebody's head. In New York, York, they just wanted him out of politics. Uh, It was was not about him um, abusing women or throwing 
seniors in the nursing homes. It never was that. It was all about him becoming too popular and threatening the, uh, the rest of the party. And so they wanted him out of politics. They're not the Democratic you know, attorney general's not going to indict him for anything. That's that's crazy. And certainly not the Democratic federal uh, prosecutors. It reminded me a little yeah. of Herman Cain being accused of all those sexual harassment claims. And then as soon as he dropped out of the race, you didn't hear about it again. Yeah, I mean, I don't, the, the issue with sexual harassment, for, first of all, I think it's very difficult to tell whether any individual claim is true, but of course he's a scumbag. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that in general, it's true that he has, you know, harassed uh, women. And uh, we all know he threw uh, people into, uh, old folks into the nursing, uh, COVID patients in the nursing homes. But for it to be a crime, you know, he has to have an intent, you know, a reckless intent. We learned that the other day with uh, the Potter trial. And I'm not even, I'm not sure that he, I mean, he's certainly negligent and would be, should be personally liable for, you know, tens of millions of dollars of damages from the family. And as far as the, um, as far as the sexual harassment law, I'm certain he's guilty of some of it. I, I think it's very difficult to prove sexual harassment when you're um, far away in time from the act. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, why Bill Cosby ended up getting set free. Now, all you do is just change his name to Trump and it's no longer, even if we have a crime, we don't think we can win it in court versus we don't care if we don't have any crime ever. And after yeah. through for four years, we still can't find one. Let's keep going. Now, can civilians take any kind of suit with this since they have said, OK, yeah, our numbers were off 50 percent of who died in the nursing homes. Can families sue since that has? I, I would assume that if my grandmother was one of these COVID patients in a hospital and he sent her back or maybe she was a nursing home resident and she sent a COVID positive person into a room and she got COVID and died, I would assume I would have a very good case against um, the governor as official capacity and, and the state of New York. Well, I personally think you should have a suit against the governor and his um, personal, you know, as a human, as an individual, but that's pro he's probably shielded um, from liability. Well, again, they settled here in New Jersey, apparently a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I shared that with everybody. And if I'm not mistaken, it was over 50 million or something like that. Mm -hmm. But of course uh, it's the taxpayers who are on the hook, right? Phil, Phil right. Murphy gets, Gets away with that. Nice. Well, I mean, he's worse than Cuomo, but he didn't get as popular as Cuomo, so he's still allowed to be in uh, in power. In fact, they went all out to try and find those last few thousand ballots to make him uh, governor again. Um, so I, I think that uh, it, it's all about. I, I really do believe that the people in charge of the Democratic Party. in charge of the Biden presidency, which is Obama and his clique, uh, really do not want somebody to rise and challenge them, which Cuomo is in a completely different, you know, section of the oligarchy. He has his own people and his own thing. And they just did not want that coming up for 2024. So that's why they destroyed it. Um, I, I think, you know, they, you know, obviously they were hanging their hats on um, Kamala, but I, I'm not entirely sure 
what they're going to do because she's, you know, she couldn't be elected dog catcher on her own. And didn't and you hear Hillary's planning on way, running? She's a different clique, right? I mean, she and Obama <laughs> don't really get along. So I wonder what, you know, I, I tend to think the whole, um, you know, I, I know I'm a conspiracy theorist nowadays, especially because <laughs> I have COVID and I've dealt with the medical establishment uh, the last five days. Uh, but I do think that Hillary, uh, the bill, the Epstein, the Ghislaine Maxwell, it, is all about trying to um, just bury the Clintons once and for all. You know, they're like the freaking Terminator, man. Every time you shoot them and parts come off, you know, the, the Clintons are like crawling across the room, like Terminator at the end, you know, trying to. And you, they, I think they really are going to try and crush them um, to get them out of the limelight. Because I think that I think Obama's um, view is the Democrats being the party of color, right? And so, and Hillary and and Cuomo are, are not. Um, but Bill of color was enough. black. So what's, what's that? Bill was black. Who was black? Bill was <laughs> the first black president. He was. Yes, he was an honorary black. Though. In the sense that he was white trash. Yes, he was the. Ouch. <laughs> Um, well, if you'll remember, I had a, my crazy bold prediction about Kamala, which was that she'd be gone before Biden. And I'm starting to think more and more that might be the case that they need to get somebody in there to uh, be the next in line. But there's no mechanism to get rid of a vice president. Well, she would have to resign. Now, you know, the, the Democrats are always up to these antics and, and, and everything. And we had discussed how the Republicans might not you know, vote to install that other person that they nominate for, for Veep. Yep. But what's to stop Kamala from staying in that office and for that vote and then stepping down afterwards to break the tie? But there would be no vote. How could they vote on a, on a new vice president if she hasn't resigned? Because you're a Democrat and whatever you say goes. So that's the way that they might play it. They change the rules for everything. So what makes you think that they wouldn't try to, you know, pull a fast one on that? Right. Who's going to stop them? Somebody who hates black women. I, I think they need an alternative of color for uh, Kamala. And I, I don't know whether they have one yet. And, they, you know, because it's not just any random black person. Um, they want black woman, particularly because um, black men are in uh, Virginia right now, a great black woman. Yeah, Winsome Sears. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how good she's going to be as lieutenant governor, but you know, good for her for winning. I, I the the Democrats rely on the black folk, but when we think of it about it, it's not the black folk. It's the black woman vote. Black women vote for Democrats at 98% plus. Black men don't vote much at all. But when they do, they vote like 80% for the Democrats. So when you talk about the black vote, it's the black woman vote. They're the one who organized the churches. I mean, the, the, the ministers are all men, but they're the ones behind the organization of the black churches and whatnot. So get, oh, go ahead. Sorry. They want, a, they want a woman of color to take over the leadership of the party to solidify, um, you know, the black female vote and something like that. So, you know, you have, it, it's slim pickings when you have, when you go like that. It'll be Michelle I'm gonna Obama. Give you, 
I'm going to give you a, a name of a black person. It's not a woman. It's a black man that I think could replace Kamala and, and Biden. And that's Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison. Oh, God. Who prosecuted the George Floyd, uh, who prosecuted Chauvin. And uh, Potter. And, and, huh? And Potter. And he, and, and he, he fits in with the Obama mold. I mean, I don't know whether he's Obama or, or Clinton. I think he's more of an Obama type. He's Obama, yeah. But he, he would fit in perfect for them. I, he's the guy I can see making, you know, rising in this environment. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Like Cory Booker has an alarming tendency to occasionally think for himself. He doesn't do it often, but he does it occasionally. Whereas I think Keith Ellison would be the perfect kind of tool for, for them. If only, I, I mean, if he became trans, he would be a shoo-in. Spartacus. <laughs> well, as we know, uh, women may, uh, men make the best women anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, if Keith Ellison became tr a trans Muslim black trans woman, I mean, that would be <laughs> that's the Democratic Party right there. Well, you know, we're, we're laughing about the trans issue, but, you know, New York has sort of announced that when you're in line for monoclonal antibodies, you're going to get them first if you're not white. And they're obviously going to be stuck with the transracialists, you know, and what are they going to do with that? Or are they going to say, no, you can't identify as other than you are. But this whole race thing is really, really getting out of hand. And of course, what they're saying is now you know what it feels like to be sent to the back of the line. But I, you just wonder where's the tipping point where people are just going to explode totally? Or will they ever? I tried to get... Uh monoclonal antibodies, you know, a uh, few days ago. I'm, I'm feeling kind of better today. So obviously it's, it's not going to happen. But because of Biden's order of the 29th, which he should hang for, by the way, I mean, that's he, the number of people dead because of Biden's order is going to be in the tens of thousands. Which but order? What yeah, the people who still, who the people who with Omicron, like myself, probably going to be okay. But you know, when you first get it, you don't know. They don't tell you, oh, you have Omicron or, oh, you have Delta. You just, oh, you have COVID. So you don't know what it is. It's only, at, you know, day five, like right now that you're figuring, yeah, it's probably Omicron, you know. But so I it, basically Virginia uh, said, you know, go to this website and sign up and say, you know, when you first got symptoms and when you got tested, I got symptoms on the first, I got tested unconfirmed on the second. And then they basically said, and I'm not making this up. Don't call us, we'll call you. Steve, I think the order that Ed is referencing is an order from uh, the CDC or is it the FDA, Ed, uh, blocking further distribution of monoclonal antibodies? Yeah, there are three different monoclonal antibodies. Um, uh, the one that uh, is, uh, was uh, really worked well on the original Wuhan and alpha strains and Delta was the Regeneron one. And um, that one does not work very well uh, against Omicron. I mean, I've seen the data and I think, I think that's right. But there's still a lot of Delta cases out there, right? A lot. Uh, Mike just had it the other day, right? So, but the, there is one called Sotrimivab, no, Sotrivimab, which works against Omicron. And Omicron can still be deadly. So uh, 
they did a one size fits all and, and basically limited all of it, assuming that we were 100% Omicron, but in fact, we're only like 60% Omicron and the rest Delta. And so there's all these Delta patients who could be treated with these things, plus uh, Omicron patients who could be treated with the one I can't pronounce, so trivenab, so trivenab um, that just aren't getting it because uh, the mass murder in chief decided that, uh, oh, well, we just waste, they'll just be wasted. Are those monoclonals, are, are they experimental too? Because I think I saw a nurse. They are. They're yes, talking they are. about it. That's because, right. They are. They are. I mean, the contention was that, you know, those of us who are against the, the mRNA shots because they're really untested are sort of being hypocritical because the monoclonals also are not really tested. Well, I, I, they've been tested anecdotally. They, they work and they don't have the side effects. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the, you know, the, they say the vaccines are safe and effective. Well, okay. I was vaccinated and I got it. So they're not effective. I haven't got measles. I haven't got, I ever got mumps. I never got rubella. I never got smallpox but I got COVID, so it's, it's not effective, right? And as far as the safe, I mean, that's, you know, they, they can say they're safe all day long, but I mean, they are absolutely 100% not safe. And uh, I, I think well, that, um, that... That's where they're just honestly being evil when it comes to what they're doing, especially with respect to younger kids. I mean, I shared, uh, you know, before with, with the group, Alex Berenson's latest, Post talking about how the um, the vaccines are really doing potential damage to young men under forty, especially I think uh, even sixteen to thirty or something like that. I think you said or sixteen to twenty five. Yeah, they get, they're getting the myocarditis, pericarditis, um, and each booster is doing is doubling the amount of damage according to the one study that was cited for these young people. They're yeah, clearly, and to continue to continue much more danger from from the shot. Giving this, and and you look at like, well, yeah, myocarditis. It's it's not really bad. It goes away. It's like, well, okay, let's look up the <laughs> let's look up the five year mortality for myocarditis. It's like twenty percent. So I mean, what the hell is going to happen to all these kids? In, Mild myocarditis. Yeah, in five years. So it's uh, yeah. These well, that, people. That, are, I mean, like I said, the Nuremberg trials for this disease are going to be lit. It's going well, to take going back to what we said before. Evolution. We would have believed two years ago that we're taking, you know, those rules and just throwing them 100% out the window, forcing people to take experimental drugs. Who would believe such a thing? And yet we can do it in English just as well as they did it in German. And like, what, how many people died for them to take Vioxx off the um, market? Like 30 something? And, and you know, 10,000 or more people have died um, related to the vaccine. Maybe, you know, probably more, probably 10 times that. Maybe 100,000 people have actually died from the vaccine, but 10. And it's like, well, if 30 people died and you took this drug off the market. Why is this still? And it's so insane to vaccinate into the middle of a pandemic because all it does is cause these variants to form. I'll see. And with the myocarditis and all that, I just would really like to have truthful and honest numbers. 
Because if people aren't reporting this stuff to the VAR system, first off, which most people don't have a clue, there's a place to report it to. Who knows what the numbers are? Who knows how many people are not seeking medical treatment because they don't know that they need to go get certain things looked out? And how many cases are mild, mild that are going to impact somebody 10 years from now or five years from now, but they didn't have strong enough symptoms to report it or go get looked at afterwards? I mean, the numbers are so skewed. It's ridiculous. I don't think there's any numbers in the United States that anybody can trust. Not cases, not hospitalizations, not deaths, not, not the VARES, not, but none of it's right. But I do think there are other countries, especially in some of the more, um, in Europe, England, Norway, things like that, where they do have, they have not yet come, the bureaucracy has its own agenda, of course, in these countries, but they have a certain amount of integrity still, even though they have their own agenda, they, you know, they still have a certain amount of integrity. And so I think you can, you can trust some of the numbers coming out of, of England or Norway or Denmark or things like that. Uh, there are no numbers in the United States. The United States is a failed state, as far as I can tell. And, uh, but the numbers coming out of them are still devastating as uh, these European countries. I, and I, can, I got I got a question though. Talking about Europe, can you can you trust Prince Andrew when he says that he was not able to sweat? I've never heard of anybody who's not able to sweat. What is he like a, a dog? I got a kick out of it. Well, no, he had stated it was because of the trauma when he was being shot at when he was at war. It did something in his body that I I, I don't know. It triggered something from the pressure of being shot at and the adrenaline, the adrenaline, that's what it was that created his body not to sweat. I mean, man, I'd be sweating bullets if I was him right now. I'll tell you that. I don't think he's in any danger at all. The only thing that he's in danger of is getting convicted in, in some U S court for, for, uh, by default for not putting up a defense, but he'd still, he's still not extraditable. So, I mean, uh, you know, he might get, in trouble, but he's not going to spend a day in prison. Well, I'm just thinking of his character. I mean, it's it's all under assault. It's just lie after lie. Um, everything that is said, you know, well, I've never met this girl and I've never done this. Well, dude, the picture's right there. There's pictures with you sweating. I mean, it's just it's just such nonsense. The credibility of these guys going forward just I just I just I wonder like take Alec Baldwin. Example. No, no, absolutely. Please, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> he has done nothing. Every statement he makes makes him look more guilty. Mm-hmm. Every single thing he says makes him look more guilty. He should have just shut up. And the same thing with Prince Andrew and all these people. Just shut up. Don't talk. Don't say anything. But they can't help it because they're all narcissists. Andrew Baldwin you know, all of our politicians, they're such narcissists. They, they want to hear themselves talk all the time. Kind of like me on this podcast, but, um, <clears throat> but they never do themselves any good. I don't know. I think Baldwin may have been out there to try to taint the jury pool, but. What jury pool? Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Has he even been arrested for anything yet? I guess. No. He might be, he's, though. He's he no keeps, OJ. He keeps wagging his mouth. Yeah. They, they might have to arrest him. 
I mean, some people are trying to compare that case to the Potter case and why one of them is prosecuted and convicted and one of them is just sort of out there. I think a better comparison is the, the Juicy Smollier case. Remember with Juicy, he is a member of the, um, you know, the oligarchy. He did something ridiculous, caused all those problems, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars of police resources to be wasted. Michelle Obama makes a call to the prosecutor and, and all of a sudden it's just dropped. But the United States is not entirely totalitarian dictatorship right now. It's, it's more of a, well, I mean, there's no, it's a failed state. So I, there was enough of a public outcry that they decided, and an, an internal outcry with the police that they decided to, uh, you know, make this prosecutor recuse herself and somebody else came in and, and prosecuted me as guilty. And I think the same thing's potentially going to happen with Alec Baldwin. Obviously he's part of the oligarchy. Obviously they weren't going to indict him, but if he keeps shooting his mouth off and saying stupid things, then they're going to end up having to indict him just from the sheer amount of, of uh, public clamor. And then he'll be convicted. Can, can they do it if his wife keeps up with her accents as well? And yeah, tweets. just convict convict his wife for being a bad actress. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Gina, I think I'm taking yeah. in cynicism to you. Say it again. I think I'm taking a back seat in cynicism to you. Oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry. We I don't want to steal, I don't want to steal the spotlight over there. Okay. I have to mention the story out of Sweden just because it's it's just so juicy and so rich. I don't know if you guys read it. The student receives praise for bogus paper on how milk is a colonizer of coffee. Did you guys see the story? I yeah. Mean, he literally yeah, yeah. wrote a bogus paper and gets praised for it. <laughs> and it's like you can't even be crazy enough that people realize you're being a satire. It's one of these Babylon B doesn't go far enough stories. Yeah. I couldn't even read it, honestly. Like I, I've seen the article, I heard about it, and I was like, you know what? This has just got nonsense written all over it. I'm not going to kill any brain cells reading this. The question I just... is whether it's a reconciliation between milk and coffee, or is the white taking away the inherent blackness property? Oh, it's taken away. It's taken away. <laughs> there were a number of papers written by, and again, my COVID brain is not allowing me to. I listened to one of the guys' podcasts uh, too. Uh, that go into various journals trying to uh, make fun of, um, of, you know, what we now call wokeness, but, you know, critical theory. And, and they get published and praised and whatnot. And then only years later does the, do the authors come out and say, well, this, we were just joking. This is just, we were a bunch of, you know, mostly like hard scientists trying to make fun of these that they aren't. It isn't an academic subject because there's nothing measurable. Uh, so this is just another one of those. And I think it was, I think it was wonderful. I think everybody should do it, write papers to uh, make fun of these uh, critical theory destroyed subjects or just made up non-academic subjects. The next one will be the cream stealing the thunder from the cookies of the Oreo. That's right. And I'm we all you. know. Do it, who's gonna cream. do it? We all know the cream is better than the cookie on an Oreo, and that and, and if it's double stuffed, get it. Oh gosh, yeah, holy crap! I didn't... Definitely, Oreos are racist. <laughs> yes.
It's a right. thought though. Let's put that out there to the Babylon Bee, see if they pick it up. The one, the one thing, I mean, if, if I know we're getting on time, Steve, but if, if I could bring up something that you sent around, it, uh, it appears that um, T-Mobile is erasing links in um, text messages to a particular conservative website called the Gateway Pundit. So if, uh, if you're a T-Mobile customer and I send you a text message that says, hey, this is a cool article, and then the, the gatewaypundit.com slash article name or whatever, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't show up on your phone, on your T-Mobile phone. And if you have T-Mobile and try and send it to me, it doesn't get sent at all. And it, and it happens silently in the sense that they don't say uh, your message has, been, has not been sent because you're a committed crime thing. It just says everything's normal and doesn't send it or doesn't receive it. This is a very, that, go ahead. This is a very, very alarming um, development in, in the censorship. Um, I think I like Gateway Pundit. I don't think he's always right, that's for sure. Um, he, he very much is uh, Matt Drudge of the 2020s, right? I mean, uh, Jim Hoff, he, he has a lot of sort of breaking rumors. And some of them turn out not to be true. A lot of them turn out to be true. Um, so this sort of silent censorship, and that's why we, use, we all use Signal to talk to one another, because so far that seems relatively safe. But I, I think more and more we're going to see this sort of silent censorship especially leading up to the various He's elections. Blaming this I mean, it, FCC rule from a couple years ago or something? Say again, Steve? T-Mobile is blaming this on an FCC rule from 2018. Um, or something about blocking unwanted or spam text messages. Now, it seems pretty ridiculous a comparison, but you know, first of all, you have no way of knowing you've even been blocked. It's, yeah, I mean it's yeah. the silent it's the silent failure that that gives the game away, right? And they're claiming everybody else is doing it too. I have no idea. I I, I think it really is incredibly important story. Uh, I have to defer to Ed M on this, but that's it seems like a pretty straightforward, blatant violation of free speech. In this case, they're a carrier, right? I mean, it's common carrier. Like, yeah, it, it's not like we're dealing with Section two thirty with the social media um, companies and things like that, no. Well, I don't know if it's a free speech issue, but it's probably a, a breach of their uh, tariff. You know, each carrier files a tariff, which is their rules and regulations for how they transmit messages and how they get paid. And they have to treat everybody the same. So I would think it violates that. I don't know that it's a violation of free speech. I mean, where, where's the government action? I guess, you know, how far are we and a year ago, this is so tinfoil hat is to be ridiculous. How far are we for them breaking in on the phone line and saying, sorry, this call is being interrupted because you said a no-no? I agree. I mean, that's where it's going, right? Um, and, and it's not, you know, and we say, well, we'll, we'll use Signal, and we do use Signal, but, you know, uh, 
both Microsoft and Apple are getting to the point where it's very, very difficult to just install programs that you find on the internet. You still can do it, but they come pre-programmed to not allow you to do it. So how do you install Signal um, on your Mac or your PC if they get to the point and where they say, no, you can only install programs from our app store and signals are not in the app store. Then what we often move to Linux or something and, and Linux, you know, they're, they're big companies too. I mean, we think it's open source, but if you really want to get the open source, I mean, that's real work. So, I mean, I, I can see, I can see this going in a direction that we will not be able to speak at all, except in person, and we won't even be allowed to do that. Well, just just circling back again, Ed. I mean, aren't isn't a carrier isn't a carrier supposed? Please don't circle back on our show. I know. So sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> but aren't carriers supposed to be neutral? I mean, if they're actually out there censoring and targeting some specific messages, why wouldn't that be? still a violation of free speech. Say that again? Why wouldn't it still be a, a free speech violation if they're a carrier that's supposed to be neutral and they're specifically targeting certain types of speech and censoring? What's, what's the first three words of the First Amendment? Four words. Congress shall make no law. Make no law. Right. You need government action for it to be a First Amendment issue. Now, with the other tech, issue, tech company issues, we've got... We've got evidence that the Biden administration is telling the tech companies what to do. That's where your state action comes from. You also get state action from Section 230, which insulates the, the tech companies from any penalties for implementing the censorship that the government itself is not able to do on its own. With When it comes to a common carrier, I mean, they're not allowed to do it because their tariff pro prohibits them from doing it. They have to give everybody service on the same equal terms. But I, I don't think, I mean, I'm not defending them, but I just, as a lawyer, I think it's going to be a tough claim to say it violates the First Amendment because I don't see the state action. Why isn't the phone company almost mandated to listen on in every phone call and make sure they're not planning a January 6th insurrection? Well, they are. I mean, that's what the NSA does. They listen into every phone call. But we don't force the phone companies to monitor their traffic, even in cases of insurrection. So it's no, we, we, we just, no, we force the phone companies to turn over um, all of the naked signals to the NSA, which then does it for them, mainly because they can do a better job at the analysis. I, you know, there, there are all sorts of stories that like don't exist. Have you ever noticed that? That Edward Snowden, all of his revelations, they don't exist. Nobody ever talks about them. You know, the Las Vegas shooting, that doesn't exist. The um, uh, Waukesha uh, anti-white uh, racist um, massacre, that doesn't exist. So all these stories that just don't exist. So, I mean, you know, Snowden showed that they just get the raw feeds, probably translate the audio into, uh, 
the text and then use text analysis to see. And so if someone was, now whether they actually can do a good job of it, I don't know, but I mean, they certainly get all, they certainly listen in on all our phone calls. But I think that at some point there had been an understanding that either we let all speech, period, or we're stuck. And that's why the phone company doesn't have to stop you from talking about insurrection. And now because of text messaging and all the other media, we're no longer able to do that. And now we're getting caught up. And I do think there's a common carrier, like people who are out on parole or probation having committed crimes there. I don't think they can be turned away from getting a, a phone line, landline. I think there's common carrier rules. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think you can turn someone away from getting heat, you know, gas or, or electricity or a phone or something. I mean, you may have to put up bond of some sort, you know, but I don't think they can deny you uh, uh, utilities. Well, I know with the telecommunications, you know, with the phone company, they, they all file what's called a tariff with the FCC. And the tariff has all, it, it's got the force of law, actually. Um, and maybe, Mike, that would be where the law, the state action comes from. But I mean, I don't think anything in the tariff is going to require them to discriminate on messages. I think it, it's going to be the opposite, if anything. Um, and the tariffs will say, you know, all, you know, all the all the rules and regulations regarding rates, charges, who can get the service, who can't get the service. And I mean, I, I once litigated a case it was about 25 years ago, and, and I was shocked to see cases that said, even if you had proof, even if you had ironclad written proof, a confession that somebody was uh, committing fraud in selling you phone services, you're still bound by the tariff in the same way that you're bound by any kind of law that's on the books because wow. the tariffs are filed with the FCC and they're public. You're, you're charged with knowledge of it. So even if you can prove that some guy told you, well, you know, Sprint is charging you five cents a minute. I'll give it to you for three cents a minute. And if you have that in writing and it's proof and it's not forged, you still can't get it. You still have to pay the five cents a minute that uh, that Sprint charges or whatever the company was. And it's just amazing. I mean, even if you could prove fraud, it still doesn't override a tariff. That's nuts. That's, and, you know, Gateway law. Pundit, speaking of Gateway Pundit, they're the ones who reported that the uh, head of the Rebel News site was denied a mortgage in Canada pretty much explicitly because Ezra of Levant. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> this circle of liberty just gets smaller and smaller. And you know, I, I had a hashtag for a while, it's too late for US. At what point is it's too late? Is it too late? And I've asked that question before. We wake up and we realize that we can't have any kind of phone service whatsoever or any kind of messaging service and they take away our computers. I mean, listen, look at James O'Keefe. He got some backing, but the fact is they did what they did and nobody's going to pay for that, right? I don't, nobody from the FBI is going to go to jail for raiding his apartment at six o'clock in the morning. Well, not only that, but I mean, you can make the New York Times erase everything that it, that it got, but they're still in litigation with him. And the FBI turned all their stuff, all the stuff they found, they gave it to that New York Times in a leak. And that was the whole point of the raid was to give the New York Times information in its lawsuit against 
Project Veritas. And there's no way to undo that either. You can't unring that bell unless, unless the judge in the New York case just decides, well, you know, the, you know, the New York Times is, can't, you know, is, you know, it, you know, it's going to just enter judgment against them that there's no, you know, it's sort of a spoliation, a reverse spoliation of evidence situation. But I don't think the judge is going to do that unless there's some connection between, you know, the New York Times and, and maybe ordering or requesting that the FBI commit the raid. Uh, short of that, I don't think there's going to be any uh, consequence in the litigation, except now the New York Times knows their legal strategy. They've got, you know, all the co communications between Project Veritas and all of its various attorneys. I don't see how that doesn't get to be a default judgment for the plaintiff. I really don't. I mean, what kind of country do we live in where um, well, and we all know, huh? we all know that the FBI did it at the behest of the New York Times. They certainly leaked it to the New York Times. Um, I, how can you prove it, right? I mean, you could That's subpoena the all the FBI agents, right? I have an idea we could get uh, Durham and Mueller to investigate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, it's sort of like the, you know, the election fraud in 2020. We know they did it, but proving it is a much harder, proving it in a court of law is a much harder thing to do. And while we're on the subject of, of things they won't investigate, um, you know, tomorrow is January 6th, and there's all of these uh, agents provocateurs who were urging people to break down barriers. They were breaking them down themselves, urging people to storm the Capitol. Some of these people's names are well known from the, you know, diligent work of the Anons on the internet. And, uh, but they haven't been charged. There's a, there's a guy who uh, put pipe bombs in front of the RNC and DNC headquarters. Can't, fi can't find him. No. We're arresting 900 other people, but we can't find the guy who put these pipe bombs. Now, of course, they were not real pipe bombs. They were fake pipe bombs. So who did that? Was he another agent provocateur or was he an FBI agent? You know? I mean, that's the ridiculous thing, because that's, you know, they traced everybody's cell phones in a in such a short amount of time to be able to ping where everybody was at and who was there. But yet here's the dude sitting on the bench in the videos and they cannot yeah, track his I mean, SIM card. I mean, it's it's BS. It's it's BS. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we are literally powerless with hundreds of people sitting in jail for almost a year, possibly being tortured, et cetera. And we literally are powerless. Well, did you did you hear when they one gentleman was actually on a uh, live feed with Newsmax and they hung up while they were interviewing him? Feed, right? Yeah. And they, the jail just decided, nope, sorry, phone calls over. You've said too much, you know, and it's it's sickening. It just it's sickening. Maybe we should put up a sign on the DC jail that takes away DC jail and puts up Guantanamo and then they'll get treated nicely. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And they could could convert to Islam, right? Not a bad idea. Again, yeah. you know, like you saying, what's that? That is a bad idea, Steve. Don't say that. Don't. Maybe they can bring nice oh. weather here too, but maybe maybe they're waterboarding them. Okay, I mean they are torturing them. I mean that's well known. I mean that, that, I, there's no question that they uh, haven't under. What's well, interesting? Solitary is torture for Islamic terrorists, but not torture for J6 people. Do you know that the people, the Muslims, had to have their uh, prayer rugs and their and their copy of their uh, Quran, the Quran, and uh, you know the J6 people are denied um, 
Bibles. Well, well, remember, they were actually training the guards in how to handle the Quran. Oh, right, to handle it uh, uh, respectfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, um, you know, there is something seriously wrong with the country. I think we all understand. <laughs> Just um, a little bit. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's anti it's anti-white, it's anti-Christian, it's anti-Western civilization, it's anti, uh, you know, straight, uh, you know, anti-heterosexual, anti-marriage, um, anti-family. Uh, it's it's cultural Marxism. I mean, it's straight straight through, one you know, one thing after another. Okay, once again, we've wowed everybody. Let's everybody talk about the stories that they wanted to, but we haven't yet. Gina, do you want to talk about something? Oh, why'd you have to put me first? Um, no. You know, my biggest thing that I just was sickened by story-wise, politically-wise, was Cuomo getting off. I, I'm just disgusted of, by that. Getting off of which one? Both. Both. It's because it, it's just it's just another story of no action being taken and the left can do whatever the heck they want to do and they get away with it. You know what I love is how many times do you hear them saying, what do they think we're stupid? Well, yeah, we are stupid. Spineless. That's more what we are. I, I, I call, you know, pastors that have no backbone. I call politicians that have no backbone. They're just jellyfish. They just go with the current whichever way. And it's it sickens me. So, yeah. Got lots of lots of jellyfish. Mike. Uh, I didn't really have anything specific. I mean, I think just the COVID situation continues to just overwhelm and we rightfully spend a lot of time on it. Um, you know, it, we got to continue to worry about what's going to happen because I, I still think that when they attempt to try to force kids to have these shots, that may be a tipping point, but. Well, you know, you saw the New York Times story, which came out saying we're destroying our children, duh. That's what I forgot. Oh, man. Why did they pick, why did they pick that up all of a sudden? What, Gina? That's, that's the one thing that I forgot that we did not mention. Um, the Chicago Teachers Union going back to remote learning. And that ties into destroying the children, not just intellectually, but okay. emotionally. It's insane. And to see Mayor Lori Lightfoot, like, finally coming against the Teachers Union, I was like, in just complete and utter shock. That she was calling them out so kudos to her that's about the only time i'll ever be in agreement with her i'm sure um but yeah but the union's winning so far they're winning i think it was a 73 percent uh vote for going back to remote right and will this bring a real rift or they'll you know make up and play play nicely again tomorrow you know i don't know they have put so many parents the decision was made at about eight o'clock last night to go back to uh, virtual learning. So I can only imagine the impact that had on parents and the workforce throughout Chicago that are actually still working, um, that are allowed to work in the town of Chicago. Um, I can only imagine the impact that made. Eds? Well, I, I can give you, I think I've got three stories. I'll give you a, sort of a quick hits on them. Uh, the first one that we haven't talked about is 
North Korea apparently shot a missile off the coast of South Korea a couple of days ago. Um, we haven't seen anything further, but the South Koreans went on high alert. Um, it's just something to watch. I still think that something big is coming in Asia. Uh, I have been saying for months that once the Olympics are over, I think that there's a, uh, a time, you know, the clock is going to be ticking down on when China invades Taiwan. Uh, I saw, and then the second story was, is related to that. I saw that Taiwan, uh, I don't know if they were, if it was somebody recommending or if it was, it was an actual plan, but uh, it was a discussion about uh, Taiwan going scorched earth and destroying all the semiconductor industries so that the Chinese can't take it over in the event that they invade. Yeah, I saw something about that, yeah. Um, is and, that their plan? Is that an actual plan or is that just something that somebody has said? I mean, yeah. that's obviously the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't remember if it was a plan or a proposal, um, but I mean, I agree it's the right thing to do, not letting the Chinese take over the country uh, and, and get the benefits of that uh, booty would be a smart thing for them to do. Um, but I don't, I don't remember. Um, I just, I mean, to me, the, the thing that's noteworthy about it is uh, the, the threat and danger of war seems to be getting closer. Um, and then the third story is also out of China. And that is that Evergrande, the large property developer, defaulted on the rest of its debt, uh, which was to held by Chinese. Actually, they didn't default. It was just all their, tri their, their shares on the Hong Kong exchange were uh, uh, suspended from trading which suggests that they couldn't make their debt payment to, to their Chinese investors. And it suggests that their, uh, their default is, is out of control and not gonna be containable, um, which again is gonna put a lot of pressure on the Chinese economy and uh, by, you know, by implication on the world economy. So um, those are three quick stories. Yeah. They're all out of Asia and they're all pointing towards war in Asia. Well, speaking, speaking of a uh, little rocket man, uh, has anybody seen him lately? Because it's been, been quite a while. So you have to wonder who's actually running that country. Maybe that's why he shot the missile off. He wanted everyone to remember that he's still alive. I, I don't know. I think he would have shown his face. Uh, I think there's the pictures that I've period. seen are him uh, having lost a lot of weight. Uh, so it's hard to tell whether it's actually him or a, a, a double. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think definitely something's up with him. But, you know, I think they botched whatever heart operation that he was going through. And I, I mean, what if happens he, if China I don't know invades if he, Taiwan? He survived it. What happens if China invades Taiwan and simultaneously North Korea invades South Korea? Yeah, I don't think North Korea has the ability to invade South Korea. That's for sure. But I, I think they have uh, the ability to attack. Um, I don't know whether that's necessarily a good plan on the Chinese part. I don't know. We'll see. I'm less in the history of military affairs. There have been uh, back and forth between offensive weapons and defensive weapons, offense and defense. And right now we're in a, we're in a field where uh, offense is, is limited by the defensive ability to shoot very accurate missiles. And so and the, now the Chinese appear, I, I don't know if in, in real life, I appear to have an advantage in this. But 
I think if they attempted to attack Taiwan and the Taiwanese and the Americans fought, I think they would lose a lot of men, a lot. Now they might win, they probably would win because the United States military is not what it used to be. But um, they would get their nose bloody. I don't know what would happen then though. You know, I, I don't really know what would happen. Um, How many but, transgenders in the, mil- in the US military would get killed in that war? Well, hopefully all of them. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, first they probably send the unvaccinated to the front line if they're still there. Yeah, they're not there. And in fact, theory, how close are we to becoming unvaccinated overnight? I know Fauci said something the other day that I wasn't quite sure I understood about fully vaccinated meaning boosted. How close are we to them just changing that rule and blowing us all up? I don't know, but actually that reminds me that uh, there was a court decision that uh, issued an injunction against the militaries forcing the Navy SEALs to get vaccinated. So that's a story we didn't talk about. That's a pretty good story. 30 named plaintiffs. That's the problem. It it was an injunction against the whole military. In other words, it was only against the named plaintiffs. Yeah, I, I did read the, the, the decision. There's some really good language in the decision. Oh, it's about, great. It's like this judge really knows what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, it was only the name plaintiffs. I, I wish that it... And these for, were for religious exemptions, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. religious and or medical, right. The military has essentially granted zero religious exceptions. I, I, if, if they correct. did, I haven't read about it. No, that not only did they not have they not granted any, but there's another case in the I think in the D.C. Circuit where a decision was entered in December uh, pointing out that exact fact. And the judge was very suspicious and he gave the military until sometime in January to basically explain, you know, why, why, why the religious exemption is not a sham. Was it in that decision or was it in something else I read where they said that for for evaluating religious um requests for exemptions, there's this 50-step process, the first 27 of which are preparing paperwork to say no. And like step 28 was reading the request. And then 29 through 50 were like figuring out ways to deny it. And, and so on its face, the it wasn't a neutral towards religion, which it's supposed to be, you know. So, uh, but the problem is that um, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think that the you know I, my you know my I, I'm somewhat less worried about Asia right now because again I think that we're in this sort of defensive uh, strength situation. Uh, I was just reading this article that Steve sent right before the show. Um, on the Guardian, so you're getting it from the from the left. And you know, next year's civil war is here. We just refuse to see it. And he goes on and on about how the left in America is completely divided, but the right wing are are together and they're arming themselves and they're uh, you know. Um, and he, he talks about history and none of it's true because he does. He's a British. He's a British guy. He doesn't know anything about American history. Um, hard right organizations have infiltrated so many police forces, the connections number in the hundreds. And he goes on and on about how awful this is and how, how terrible the, uh, 
the United States is, were about to be taken over by a right-wing militia. And um, I want to move to that United States. Where is yeah, that? Yeah, where is that? Right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, you know, I wouldn't mind the right-wing militia. We had at least not have that, so many criminals. Um, so, I mean, this kind of propaganda, because that's, that's all of it. I mean, unless it's the ravings of the lunatic that they just published, because that's what their audience was. Um, this is really uh, organized propaganda. It's, it's sort of to get people ready for, you know, vast arrests and or prescriptions against um, right-wing people in the United States. So that's my uh, negative news. One, one more, this isn't a story for this week, but it's just, uh, you know, looking ahead to next week. Today is Wednesday, January 5th, and January 7th, Friday, January 7th, is when the Supreme Court is going to hear oral argument on whether the uh, emergency application for stay on the OSHA and the CMS injunctions should be granted. Um, I don't know that they'll rule on, on Friday, but maybe by, by the time we get together next week for next week's show, I, I kind of think they'll have ruled by then, uh, if not ruling over the weekend. Uh, we'll see. That'll be a, an interesting uh, decision. Uh, the, the brief, one of the briefs that was filed on behalf of uh, BST Holdings, the, the group that came out of the Fifth Circuit, uh, was a really good brief. And we'll see, we'll see what happens. All righty. With that, we'll wrap it up for the day. And thank everyone for being here. We will be back next Wednesday. Same bad time, same bad channel. If you're smiling, you are old. Have a wonderful day, folks. All right, guys. Happy New Year, everybody. Have a good one. Happy New Year.